This that big Bible talk, like that one on granny table. Had that money in the rubber band. Did like Bible pages, now I'm on another page. Giving praise to my creator, big dog, I'ma eat. But it's God over paper, this that big Bible talk. What's good, man? It's your boy, Plain James, checking in here to welcome you to the Big Bible Talk Podcast, man. This is our first episode. I'm excited, looking forward to growing with you guys, diving in the Word of God. Man, it's not going to be super long. I'm not going to hold you hostage. We're going to dive into the Scriptures, walk away with some practical steps you can apply to your life to help you grow in your relationship with Christ, man. Um, this podcast, man, has been a long time coming. Uh, being real, man, I found a lot of excuses on why I shouldn't do it or why I couldn't do it. But ultimately, man, I pushed through. Um... Just being 100% real, man, God sent several people my way to kind of give me confirmation it was time to start it. Sometimes, man, you know, we're supposed to walk in faith, but sometimes faith doesn't mean you're absent of all doubt. Sometimes you're going to have doubt, but faith is, you know what, I'm going to trust God even beyond my doubt. He said we have to have faith the size of a mustard seed. If the faith is the size of a mustard seed, that means everything else is probably doubt. So faith is not absent of doubt all the time. Faith is pushing through that doubt and still trusting what God is telling you to do, man. So, Big Bible Talk Podcast, man. Here we are, uh, first episode. Uh, today, man, we're going to speak of a scripture. Uh, it's kind of similar to what I was talking about. Somebody who had very little they felt like, but God ended up showing them they had more than what they thought. Uh, we're going to dive into the book of 2 Kings today, chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read those verses of scripture for you, then we're going to break it down. We're going to be in, we're going to be out. So, let's get it. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation for those who are trying to follow along. And it reads, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to, to take two of my sons as slaves, my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all, except for a flask of oil, she replied. And Alicia said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one aside with his field. So she did what she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was filled to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live off what's left over. Wow. That's a powerful passage of scripture right there. So what we see right here is a woman who is a widow. Let's break it down in context for you. Um, in biblical times, of course, these are male-dominated cultures. So when her husband died, he was the breadwinner bringing in the income. When he died, the income stopped. So here she is a widow with two sons with a whole bunch of debt. You know, the husband, he was in ministry. Um, he was a prophet. Like he's like he told, she told Alicia, you know, my husband loved the Lord. He served as a prophet. He served in ministry. Apparently he wasn't making a whole lot of money. He was probably living check to check. You want to look in our context. He probably had enough money to pay the bills at that time, but nothing to save. And it's obvious because she don't have any money left. 
So she goes to Alicia in our context. That's equivalent to going to the church saying, look, you know my husband. You know how you serve the Lord. But look, we in a bad spot right now. And you know how it is. In this culture, if you had a debt and you couldn't pay it off, if you had sons, your sons had to go into slavery until you could pay that debt off. So if she had no way of making income and her sons went into slavery, her fear was, I will never see my sons again because I have no way to pay off this debt. So here she goes to Alicia, desperate, broken, confused. What can I do? Lord, I need help. So she goes to the man of God says, hey, you know my husband, you know he served the Lord. And now I'm in a bad spot. What can I do? Can you do anything to help us? So she's coming in desperation. She's coming broken. And what does Alicia ask her? Alicia says, so what do you have in the house? And I can imagine her looking at him like, what do you mean what I have in the house? If I had something in the house, I wouldn't be in this situation. So in her mind, she had nothing. So she went through in her mind everything she possibly could have had in the house. She said, all I got is one little jar of oil. He said, hmm, okay. I want you to go to your neighbor's. Asking your friends, asking for all the empty jars in their house. So I can imagine, let's just, let's break this down. You know, sometimes we look at these Christians, we breeze by. So imagine you in debt, you're on the verge of your sons being sold into slavery because you can't pay your debt. You go to the church, you go to the man of God, and he tells you to grab something out of your house you deem is insignificant. Not only take that, but now I have to go to my neighbor's house, ask for empty jars, and say, can I have these, please? Now think about yourself in that situation. You'll probably be a little confused, wondering like, man, what is he doing? Let's go back to what I was talking about earlier. Let's talk about faith. Faith isn't always the absence of doubt. Faith is moving forward and trusting God even in the midst of your doubt. So if that was me in that situation. I'm looking like, man, I got a large debt I got to pay. You talking about some oil and some empty jars. How is that possibly going to help me in my situation? But if you're a man of God, I believe you to be a man of God and you trust God and I trust God and my husband trusted God. And I'm coming to you for help. If this is what the Lord is saying, even though I'm questioning, even though I don't understand how it's going to make sense, I'm going to go ahead and follow the instruction. So she goes and follow the instruction. She gets the jars from the, her neighbors and her friends. They go in the house. They shut the door. This little small little jar of oil, she begins to pour the oil. Next thing she knows, all the empty jars that they had were full of oil. In her mind, she's probably thinking like, how did this happen? So let's stop right here. Let's, let's contextualize this in modern day. You got bills to pay. Your car note due, your light bill due, your rent due, all these different things to do. You go to the church and say, I need help. I don't know what to do. The financial consultant or the pastor, whoever it is who has the finance of the church says, so what do you have in your house? Man, um, all I got is a little olive oil in the cabinet. But I can't even use that. I don't have nothing to cook, so I can't even use that. That little bit of olive oil you got. Go to all your neighbors. Ask them for some Tupperware. Say, hey, can I get your Tupperware that you're not using some old Tupperware? They're probably looking like, you're knocking on my door asking for some old Tupperware. You asking for these old jars. Okay. Boom, you can have it. You go in your house. You get this one little, little jar of olive oil. You pouring it. And it doesn't stop. It just keeps pouring now you're looking like, man, how did this happen? God wants to show us something with this scripture right here and in our lives. The things we look at as being insignificant, the things we look at as being not much at all, things that don't matter, those are the things that God typically wants to use. I'll go back to me for this podcast, for instance. If you look around, I'm not at Tyler Perry Studios. You know what I'm saying? I'm not in some big elaborate studio. 
So in my mind, I'm like, man, I want to do a video podcast. Just being 100% transparent, I'm looking at everybody else. It's what they're doing. They're here, they're there. They have this set up, that set up. And because of that, I never started. But God is saying, take what you have in your hand. Look at Moses. When he was before God, God said, what do you have in your hand? He said, I have my staff. He said, use that staff. So when he told this woman, use that olive oil, at least you did. That's the equivalent of God telling Moses, use that staff. That's the equivalent of God saying, you know what? That thing in your life right now you think doesn't matter. It's insignificant. has no value. I want you to take that. And the reason why God uses these things is because he wants you to see something. In your mind, in your thoughts, it was insignificant, had no value. You can do nothing with it. But in the hands of God, by being obedient to God, by having that little bit of faith and moving forward with it, God can move mountains with it. So we want the glory. We want the credit. We want all this kind of stuff for us. We want the accolades and all these different things. But God will put you in situations just to let you know you are not God. You cannot do these things alone. You need me. That's why I'm here. So here this woman is in a situation where she's desperate and she's broken and she's crying out for help. When the last time have you been desperate and broken and crying out for help? Some of us can be so prideful. We're in a situation where we know we can't get out of it. We know we're stuck. We don't have any solution. Instead of asking for help, we'll be prideful and stay there and suffer and go through whatever we're going through on our own, knowing we don't have a way out or we need help. Christianity is not designed for you to walk alone. You need accountability. You need fellowship. You need help. Look at Christ. Christ had 12 disciples. Probably not because he needed them, but he functioned as a man. So it's more effective when you have help. Imagine all the ministry he completed if he was trying to do that by himself. He sent the disciples out two by two. It's 12 disciples two by two going into six different directions. Imagine one man trying to do all of that. So he had his reasons for doing that. We all need help. But once again, she was humble. She was broken. She was at that point where she realized she was at the end of herself. In order to effectively see what God has for us, to really submit to God fully and humbly in our life, we need to come to the end of ourselves. The word of God says in Psalm chapter 51, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, God will not despise. You, excuse me, you have to be broken. Now you wonder why you're going through that hard time? You wonder why you're going through those trials and tribulations? Something in you has to break. Because when you're stiff-necked and you're hard and think you can do it all on your own, you can't effectively be used by God like that. He said, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. A person who realized the Lord's strength is made perfect in our weakness. But can you admit your weakness? Can you make yourself vulnerable? This woman made herself vulnerable. Imagine going down here saying, look, I have nothing else. Ain't no pride with that. Ain't no heart, ain't no liftedness when you say, I have nothing else. I have nowhere to turn. That's brokenness. That's desperation. That's how we should be coming to Christ. Like, Lord, without you, I have nothing. Help me. I need you. And a little bit of thing we have in our life, our little lives we think have no value, no meaning, our little talent, our little ability that we thought would really take us nowhere. We put it in the hands of God and he does amazing things with it. So right here in this story, we see a woman with a little jar of oil. She takes it and now she has all these jars of oil. These, but she just, matter of fact, the prophet said, not only can you pay your debt, but you and your sons can live off of this. One thing that stuck out to me as well, the jars were empty. The jars were available. They were open for the oil to be poured in. Many of us want the anointing of God. They want, we, want, we want the giftings of God. We want the talents and all these abilities and want to serve God with these different gifts or whatnot. But are you open or do you have too many things in the way? Is your jar empty? Can your jar be full with the oil or is it full of other stuff already? 
It didn't say it had crumbs of this in the jar of food and, and all this kind of stuff in the jar. The jars were completely empty. And the emptier the jars were, the more oil that could be poured into the jars. See, what more we want? The oil, we want the anointing, but we want this too. We want God, but we want this. We want Jesus, but we want this. It's Jesus, and that's it. That's all we need. When you're fully flown in the will of God, when you're obedient to Christ, he will give you direction. He will give you purpose. He will show you where you need to be. But you have to be empty. You have to be open. You have to be available. If you want the Holy Spirit to really just have dominion over your life and flow and direct your path and do these different things, like you can't be double-minded. You can't be full of this and full of that. It's God or nothing. It's not God and this or Jesus and this. It's Jesus or nothing. It's nothing. That's all you got. That's all you can have. So these were empty jars, and they were able to be full with the oil. Full with the oil. So can, right now, can we be be honest with ourselves? Are we full of ourselves a lot of the time? Are we full of the Holy Spirit? When I mean by full of the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to guide, lead, and direct me, or am I still leaning on my flesh? Am I still looking at situations in a way, how can I fix this? How can I do this? How can I solve this problem? Or am I saying, God, I'm at the end of myself. I need you. So I look at this story, I see a woman that said, God, I'm at the end of my rope. I need you. You also got to realize your decisions impact more than just you. The decision that she made not only impacted her, it impacted her sons as well. Had she would have gave up on God and been prideful of not going to the man of God and got the help that she needed, her sons could have been in slavery. For those who are parents out here, whoever have people who are looking up to you or you're a major influence in their life, if you're not following Christ effectively and they're watching you, whatever tactics, whatever methods that you're taking, they're going to follow those things. Many people say it's generational curses. Personally, I don't believe in generational curses. We can talk about that later. But the reason why I don't believe in generational curses is because Christ became a curse on the cross. If he became a curse on the cross, how can a curse survive past the cross? If he got on the cross, he became sin, and he defeated sin. If he became a curse, he defeated all that stuff. Sin, all that stuff, had to bow before Christ. So I can't have the Holy Spirit and still be cursed. I can't have the living God on the inside of me and still be cursed. I don't believe in generational curses. What I do believe in is learned behavior. Whoever I'm around, whatever I'm taking information in from, whoever I'm listening to, over time, I'm growing up in a household where they function in a certain kind of way. Naturally, I'm going to follow those things. I'm going to follow those habits. I'm going to follow those uh, tendencies. So it's not a generational curse. It's just all I know. So she had her son's watcher. How is my mama going to handle this situation? The mama went to the house of God. The mama went to the man of God. And I'm not saying deitize your pastor or your preacher or the prophet and all that kind of stuff. There's some weird stuff going on out here. But don't look so much at Alicia. Look at the God that Alicia served. Because just look at it like this. Alicia had to have faith in God to tell the woman to go get the jars. Alicia didn't have this bright idea like, you know what, go get the jars. Yeah. It wasn't all in Alicia. This is a man who was a prophet. You know what a prophet was during these times? This was a man who was fully submitted to God with his whole life. Very seldom did a prophet have a wife. Very seldom did they do anything besides the minister and preach the word of God and spread the word of God to the people. They were completely sold out. So put that in context. She's coming to a person who's completely sold out to God. So Alicia is not the one we should be worshiping and praising and say, oh, mighty man of God. It's the God that he served that he was completely sold out to who gave him the instruction to give to the woman in the first place. So for us, what we need to do is take away from this is, no, my pastor is not God. Honor your pastor because he's the mouthpiece that God may have speaking into your life. But ultimately, God is in control. 
God rules and reigns over every situation. So I need to humble myself, be fully submitted to God, take my situation to God and see what he has to say and be open to the fact that he can use this person, that person, whoever to speak directly to me. And if it's truly from God and I have the Holy Spirit, confirmation will be given. I will understand it's him. And even if I have a little bit of doubt, a little bit of fear, we look at scripture, people had doubt, they had fear, they had all that. Don't let nobody tell you you're not saved because you got fear and you got doubt. Like I keep on saying, faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is, you know what, I'm scared. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to trust God anyway. In spite of the circumstances, I'm still going to trust God. That's faith. That's what it means to trust God, for real. You're human. You're going to feel these emotions. You were given these emotions. And Ananias, when Paul had to stay with him for three days, he's like, man, Paul is a murderer. He was terrified. This was the same man who was killing Christians. Like God saying, keep him in your house for these three days? You don't think he was scared? Yeah. But guess what? He did it anyway because he had faith in what God told him to do. So, like I said, people are watching. People are paying attention. I'm online every day talking to people who are angry with God, mad with God because of poor representation. And now we're not perfect. Yeah, we're flawed. Yeah, we're learning and we're growing. But some of this stuff, man, at some point, it has to be some kind of maturity, some kind of accountability. And we got to pay attention to the world around us and what's going on. It's bigger than us. Our, our decisions influence all those people around us, people who are watching. And our life is supposed to be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That's our reasonable service. It's right here in the word of God. So our children were watching how she handled the situation. And the scriptures are given from our ammunition. We can go back and look at this and say, man, she barely had anything. But she put it in the hands of God and she had more than what she thought. So I look at this once again. Like I told you with this podcast, I thought I didn't have enough. Like, I'm not in no elaborate setup, but God said you have what you need. Look in your life right now. That thing you're looking over that God may have told you, use this and watch what happens. You're like, man, God, I don't see how that's going to work. What I'm telling you right now is, even though you're doubting, even though you have fear, even though you don't understand how it makes sense, move forward in faith that God has told you something. Let's look at the two fish and the five loaves. They move forward in faith. And at the end of that, what it said, they had 12 baskets of food for each disciple. Look throughout scripture. God has always taken somebody who felt like they didn't have enough or didn't have the requirements for the job and showed them like, yeah, on your own, this is not going to help you. But when God is in the midst, when God is moving, when God puts these things in his hands, that's when they become powerful. That's when the staff Moses had became powerful because it was in God's hand. That's how this oil just poured out the jar, the jar, the jar, because God was in the midst. So today I want to encourage you. If you feel defeated, if you feel like you don't have enough, you feel like you just don't measure up, for one, stop looking over there at what they're doing and what they're doing. Focus on the race that God has for you. Run your race. I was talking to my counselor the other day, um, and he was telling me how he was in high school that he used to run a quarter mile. And um, he ran the race, and um, he was beaten. So his coach came to him and said, um, why did you lose that race? And he said, because he was faster than me. He said, no, he wasn't. Let's run through your mind what happened during that race. Tell us what happened during that race. What were you thinking? Well, I know my opponent. He comes out the gate fast, so I wanted to match his energy coming out the gate fast so I can keep up with him. Boom, that was your mistake. He said, his coach said, he was a fast starter, so he starts fast. But how were you trained? You were trained to pace yourself in the beginning and then speed up toward the end of the race. So by you trying to keep up with him in the beginning, you were tired at the end of the race, and that's how he beat you, because you ran his race. You can't run somebody else's race. Run the race that God gave you. Had he paced himself in the beginning and ran like he was supposed to run in the end, he would have won. 
So once again, don't look to the left or the right what nobody else is doing. God told you to do a certain thing and he gave you tools to do it. Now, it's up to you to say, Lord, maybe I don't see how this is going to happen. Lord, I, I just don't know. I just don't get it. But if you're telling me to do it, I'm going to move forward with it. Move forward in obedience and trust God and watch what happens. This lady right here did that. And not only was she able to pay her debt and keep her sons out of slavery, they had money to live off of. And like I said, look throughout scripture. Look at all these people who felt like they didn't have enough and God took it and did amazing things with it. So you're in good company. The thing you feel like you lack, the thing you feel like you don't have, I'm going to keep on saying it. You have more than enough when you put it in God's hands. So trust him with the little bit that you have and watch what he said. He said in the word of God, those who are faithful with, with little will be masters of many. Or those who are faithful with the little bit if you're faithful with that little bit, I feel more comfortable giving you a lot. But if you minimize and belittle that little bit you have, you're not faithful with that, you don't steward that well, I don't trust you. If you got that one talent and you bury it, why would I give you more? These guys over here who took their talents and multiplied, I'm going to put them in their hand because they say, you know what? He gave us this talent to use. I'm going to use these talent and get more. I'm not going to bury it. You thought you were doing a good thing by saving that, but God is like, no, I have plenty of, I have plenty of everything. I gave this to you so you can use this. Steward it well and be faithful. And how do you do that? By trusting him with it. Trust him with what you have and see what happens. That little project you pulled to start, I ain't gonna say little project, that project you supposed to start, trust God with it. With the tool that you have right now, watch what happens. That album you wanna put out, that business you wanna start, whatever it is you're trying to do, that you feel like you don't have enough, but you feel like God led you to do it. If God truly led you to do that and you know it was him, trust him with what you have and watch what happens. This lady did that and she was rewarded for her faith. We see in scripture time and time again, folks rewarded because of their faith. Don't feel like because you're scared and you have doubt that you don't have faith. You do have faith if you move forward anyway. That's my time today. Big Bible Talk Podcast, episode one. Hope you got something from the word today. Hope you were encouraged. Hope you were blessed. If you feel like this episode will help somebody else, share it with them. Um, I'm excited about where we're going to go with this, man. We're going to grow. Um, we're going to learn. And we're going to apply some basic principles to our life to help us grow in our relationship with Christ. Be a Bible Talk Podcast, man. I'm going to holler at y'all later. Trap Theology. Trap Theology. Trap Theology. Trap Theology. Trap theology.